Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 607. Science Faction, don't call it a hunback. I, I don't know if you guys heard that, but I, I, I noticed the difference in Bobby's intro. Bobby, you were, you, you put some stank on that. You were uh, like, it's like you were given propaganda to American GIs in Vietnam. You had a, uh, you had some real oomph to it. Southeast Asians aren't people. Just keep shooting. <laughs> and uh, don't worry about that Agent Orange in your coffee. <laughs> Don't bother to mention that to anybody to the VA when you get back. And speaking of the VA, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy, and with me, as always, is my long lines and poor care himself, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. By VA, though, I'm assuming you meant a voice actor. <laughs> I can do Russian. And over 300 dialects. You know what I never figured out is, man, why are those guys so grisly? <laughs> to voice actor? You ever talk to an old voice actor and he's like, he's just he's constantly telling you stories of all the bodies he's seen and like all the shit he's been through? <laughs> I was voice and sword the stone in the, in the 60s. <laughs> Barry, uh, we buried three new voice actors uh, before me. I was the new guy. They didn't think I'd last to the end of the uh, session. I showed them. Yeah, the only thing he's worth is if you show up outside of the uh, VFW or yeah, the Voice Actors for Work Club. And <laughs> those guys, even more grizzled. <laughs> Whenever you go to like an anime convention and you see like the voice behind like your favorite actor, just understand yeah. he killed a lot of people to get where he's at. Yep. That man has a body count. Oh, dear. And for those of you guys who haven't seen our Facebook recently, if you want to see a picture of our new Patreon shirts, which are fucking awesome, they literally just showed up to my doorstep today. So we are we are sending them out this week. If you are one of our Patreons, it might already be in the mail by the time you hear this, but it will be out to you shortly. And if you are not a Patreon, go ahead and jump on there. Go ahead and look up Robert Timothy on Patreon. Uh, sign up at $10 a month or more, and you will get yourself one of those awesome shirts, which are not just some Science Faction merch. In fact, they don't even say Science Faction on them. They are just a cool shirt I designed. Yes. Uh, again, Bobby, kudos to you. The shirt looks really good. It was, you know, the, the, your, your design guy <laughs> really brought your idea to life. But again, Bobby, each and every fan out there, all four of them uh -huh. could have been walking Bill boards for our podcast that's right letting people know instead you chose a wordplay on a shirt that will take a long time for somebody to figure out on a walk on a casual walk by <laughs> or or i made history oh my god this this man we gave the reins to i call bs he he holds the gavel and I, he is unfit for duty i vote in peach uh i'm sorry for those of you guys who may have uh, missed us last week last week was actually i think it's the first week in like i don't know nine years that we didn't put out an episode uh and there wasn't like a great explanation for why uh i was busy i was doing my third straight 100 hour plus work week damien had a bachelor party and went off to new york city and so we had some conflicting stuff Stuff, uh, nothing, nothing too big considering throughout those nine years between the two of us, I think we've gotten married three times. Hell yeah. Had two kids, you know, done a bunch of stuff and we still managed to do a weekly show. D didn't pump it out last week, so I'm sorry about that, but we just uh, we just had some, some stuff going on. But we're back. We're back into the science. 
I was uh, I was lost in New York. Yes. I was uh, a couple of burglars tried to break into this residence <laughs> I was squatting in, and I crippled them. I crippled them repeatedly <laughs> with, with childish pranks. <laughs> Oh, dear. Yes, that is true. And then uh, you were indeed at a bachelor party in New York, uh, and all was going well until Damien suddenly found himself big. That's right. Damien grew into a full-grown adult in the middle of New York City and found himself at FAO Schwartz. It was emotionally, though. Uh, (laughs) Only the people who really were around me knew what had happened. Wow, Damien, you evolved today. <laughs> the first time you saw a child fall off a bike and you didn't laugh, you're like, "What is going on in my heart?" <laughs> no, but uh, it really somebody shit on the floor and tried to blame it on a cat. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> to be fair, the person whose floor got shat on, I was a victim over a decade ago of this person shitting on my floor. By the way, wall to wall carpeting, not a bathroom floor, shitting on my floor and blaming a dog. So I think it's fairly appropriate whatever happened to them. No, 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 no. Listen, it, because you're because one of your roommates was with us uh-huh. on that trip, and uh, he was visiting the uh, the original floor shitter. Uh-huh. If if our friend or you had yes. given our sh- our our friend who's sus- who's suspected of blaming a cat for shitting on the floor. By the way, has anybody seen a cat give off black diarrhea? I don't. I know I have it. Uh, if that person had signed away their rights, if, if they had given away the right of vengeance. Uh huh then I would say this was completely sanctioned. But th- this this was not sanctioned. This was an act of war. This, you know, we live in a society of laws, Bobby. And while you might agree- For you, as the person who wasn't the victim of the original shitting, you may think of it as an act of war. I see it more like the movie Munich. Like, vengeance is- <laughs> Maybe it's not done by, like, the laws according to NATO, but vengeance is gonna happen. You're like the guys who are, like, free Cain Velasquez. Yes, Cain <laughs> Velasquez- <laughs> avenged a horrible crime but he also uh, was a was a danger to the public when doing it because he didn't do it through sanctioned means also he ended up avenging it on the senior citizen sitting next to the guy he was trying to shoot he shot the wrong guy nah he raised that dude so <laughs> no he didn't he was a stepdad listen when you when you start banging somebody's mom you you you're not just banging his mom you're also banging the son and, and whatever terrible deeds he's done if when you're picking up Cain Velasquez's uh, target, when you're picking him up from jail from Bond, you're in a bad place. You say no, he stays. He didn't pick him up from Bond. He was actually taking him to the police station to get an ankle monitor. No, you cut ties with this brother. <laughs> He's not your kid. He's not your kid. You go quite a far away to try and explain away the shooting of a 65 year old man by a millionaire who could have easily beaten the shit out of all three people in that vehicle. That that's just the thing. By the way, by the way, if let's just say I honestly, I I don't think he did it. Let's just say let's just say I'm this old guy and I believe my stepson, and I don't think he did it. Right? I still know Cain Velasquez is hunting for him, and I want to be a mile away from this dude. Not it. He was associated with a bad crowd, Bobby. <laughs> Not innocent. <laughs> Victim blaming much? Yeah, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, ex-UFC heavyweight champion Cain Velasquez uh, had something horrible happen. A, a member of his family, a, a young child, like a four-year-old, was sexually assaulted. And uh, obviously a very, very horrible thing. And then he went after the dude who was accused of doing this. But the dude was in a car. He was actually driving literally to the police station to get an ankle monitor put on. And Cain Velasquez decided to unload a forty cal into the truck. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah well it's vengeance go vengeance except he shot the wrong guy he just shot like an innocent senior citizen who was sitting next to him in the car (laughs) all right let's move right on to science articles 
From molecules to particles, this is Science Articles. Plus, did you see what that senior citizen was wearing? <laughs> Article number one, don't call it a hun back. <laughs> Attila's been here for years, rocking the mic. Attila, he was a hun, right? He was. And we are actually speaking of the huns, and you guys will probably have heard of the huns before, a 5th and 6th century group that came from Central Asian steppe and settled in Eastern Europe to become Attila and his huns and found the, the kingdom that would become Hungary. But there were steppe people coming before then and after then, you know, famously 700 years later, Genghis Khan would basically do the exact same thing except take over more area, head east and west. Uh, and so these steppe people had been coming in and doing this for a long time. The Scythians before them. Was Hannibal a hun? No, Hannibal was uh, of northern. And his elephant crew? Yeah, no, they were from northern Africa. Oh, okay. Never, my mistake. Yeah, no. So That's in Hungary, right? But I... <laughs> <laughs> we went to the same school. We, we literally, <laughs> we went to the same building to educate us. <laughs> you and I, walk, every single day, walked into the same general uh-huh. building yeah. <laughs> True. And came out with some, so much difference between us. You know, like, uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, my eyes would glaze over when your mom would tell us stories of the old country. And I'd be like, wow, she knows a lot of stories about Africa. <laughs> because your mother, the the elderly Hungarian woman, reminds me so much of an African immig- northern African immigrant in so many ways. Well, you got me there. So uh, one of these... <laughs> That's why her accent's so hard to nail down. <laughs> one of one of the many step horse groups that came in and did some damage was the Avars, who not only came in, but they actually were more influential than the Huns. They started their own dynasty in like the sixth century in Eastern Europe in places like Hungary that would eventually last for, last for about 250 years. They would wage war against like the Byzantine Empire, and they were just basically these fucking nutty horse people who were just hanging out on the outskirts of Europe, Europe causing shit for 250 years. They're like the equivalent of like a motorcycle gang that's constantly hovering around like the shitty outskirts of town robbing people. And you're just like, well, stay away. We can't really stop them. There's more of them than there are cops. We just fucking got to live with them. And they're centaurs. How do we stop yeah, that? Exactly. You said horse people. And so they were a huge part of history from like the 6th century through the 8th century in Central and Eastern Europe. They participated in a bunch of these wars that are going on. They're fighting different empires. They're establishing their own empire. But we've never really known where exactly they came from. Now, we say the Asian steppe, that's a huge area. In fact, it's one of the hugest single land masses that you will ever see on the face of the earth. So like, you know, when we talk about that steppe, that's a big area and different groups came from different parts of it. So the question was always, where did these avars come from? And we have finally answered that question with some super interesting genetics. So we did some research looking into not only avar burials in Hungary in that time period from the 6th century all the way up through the 8th century, but we also then looked at some skeletons around the world to try and find the closest match. And we found something that wasn't just a close match, it was basically in the same nuclear family as some of the members that we are seeing over in Hungary. And this person, this area that they came from, and the place where a bunch of other people who had the same genetics came from, Mongolia, near the Chinese border. Man, that dude got around. Yeah! 
So think about this. These guys made this 5,000 kilometer trek and we know they did it in a generation because we basically have their like sisters and brothers on the other side of the fucking continent. Literally the same nuclear family. And we're like, all right, well, they came from here. They came from this specific spot. This is amazing because it tells this tale of people just migrating, like basically to the other side of the world to establish a dynasty that would rule for hundreds of years as they just ran around as crazed horse people fucking shit up in Eastern Europe. But I mean, because uh, I, I know that uh, the uh, steppe people, because it is such a large landmass, there are the... Uh, the, the, the Mongolians at Warf one sure. far end who have more the uh, the Asian phenotypes. Sure. Whereas uh, the Scythians, they they had more Caucasian phenotype, right? Like well, the, they were, uh, the cur- what we th- they were thought of as one of those like Turkish type groups. But the I mean, especially back then, you didn't have nearly as much homogeneity. You know, we see a lot of homogeneity in Central Asia now as a result of Genghis Khan. You know, there were very different groups of people who lived throughout the areas then that have been essentially completely wiped off the earth. See, you had uh, they they didn't kiss the ring. Yes, they didn't. Uh, they didn't have ancestors. Gotcha. Descendants. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, they would dig up the ancestors, <laughs> throw them, off, throw the bones off a cliff. I don't have those no more. What's really interesting is that when we looked at like the graves of the elite of Avars in Hungary at the time, we see that hundreds of years later, so in the eighth century, we're digging up these elite graves, and we're finding that they only have about a twenty to thirty percent genetic admixture with the local populations. The rest is Avar DNA, meaning that three hundred years after they got there, the elites were still mostly just breeding in their own communities. And essentially for hundreds of years, these people born in Eastern Europe were essentially could have just been born, you know, on the other side of Asia over in Mongolia because it was the exact same parents and the exact same, you know, communities and everything. But as you filtered out outside of the elite groups into the more everyday common of ours, you had more and more genetic admixture from the local population indicating that this was certainly a very culturally specific thing. You know, the more elite you are, the more we want to try and keep you in this uh, elite group uh, of our community and not go outside of it. But if you are just the th- more wives, what's that? More wives. That's how you keep them. More wives. It's well, I that's know. how you hang on to an elite. Trust me. If that were true, Utah would be way more a successful state than it is right now. <laughs> it is. They bar success as keeping alcohol low and weak and, and keeping caffeine the hell out of their state to those standards. They've won. All of us are playing catch up. I mean, I always like to point out is like, hey, Book of Mormon is the way most people know you guys. Like most people don't have a lot of strong one-on-one Mormon interaction. So like literally you are most well known from a piece of media that makes fun of how stupid your beliefs are. Like that is what we know most about you guys. Anything to keep them from learning about the underwear. That's that's the big thing. Listen, they're going to clown us so much harder once we tell them we're wearing these our spooky Mormon ghost underwear. <laughs> that's a technical term. Very, very, very cool. Okay, on to article number two, worms be acting like zombies in North America. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, Bobby, you, you shouldn't go on at the Apollo. I don't care how much you refine your science bit. Don't do it. I, I know you've been doing comedy for a while. I'm just... Work it out in other rooms. Oh, dear. So, very interesting thing that I didn't know about until I read this very article. I didn't realize earthworms are not native to North America. I just assumed worms were fucking everywhere. That's insane. 
almost as insane as imagining Bobby booking a slot at the Apollo. (laughs) (laughs) That almost seems like a jackass prank. Let's hear it for our law enforcement tonight, everybody. (laughs) Any law enforcement in the audience? Bobby got desperate and humped the chair. At some point, it was... The chair humped him. Uh, Yeah, so I, I just assumed worms were kind of like ubiquitous they're like birds like they're just fucking everywhere but it turns out that before we got here europeans got here there weren't worms in north america that's insane so that means that means every teacher who would force that pro worm big worm propaganda (laughs) down our throat about we need more earthworms in our garden yeah yeah well and this kind of gets into the article we're going to talk about which is whether or not it's even a good thing to have earthworms there but yeah i was thinking about it too i'm like what what kind of worm propaganda what what big worm institution and then i realized what it would be it would be a snake institution (laughs) because they would get all the birds no because that'd be a big ass worm (laughs) like it's that's big worm That's a gross simplification, <laughs> and, and I, I feel like that's that's you're you're taxonomically uh, misleading a bunch of our listeners right now. <laughs> yeah, so like all the the earthworms and stuff you see here are transplants from Europe and other places. Sometimes it came in unintentionally, just in dirt that they were bringing over. Sometimes it was purposely brought over because you know worms do have effects on soil. But so is this the type of colonization that we're not talking about? Like, I didn't even know about it. We're not only replacing the natives of this land, we're replacing the very earth itself, grain by grain. Well, researchers were looking at the effects that these worms have, because again, we always hear, put worms in the soil, it's good for you. And it might not be. So here's a quote. Researchers used insect vacuum samplers to capture above ground insects and compare caches. By the way, the caches that they're describing are... Caches clay. That do have worms or do not, and whether or not there are more bugs around it. They discovered that the abundance, biomass, and species richness of insects in areas with invasive worms and those areas without them differed significantly. Where earthworm biomass was highest, the number of insect individuals was reduced by 61%, insect biomass by 27%, and species richness by 18%. So basically, what we are finding is earthworms have a negative impact on other insects around them. Now, Maybe earthworms are better for plants and that's a good thing and those other insects aren't and maybe they actually eat plants. And so if you're a farmer or a gardener, maybe it's a good thing. But if you care about species biodiversity and, and, you know, the ecology of the entire food web around you, then it is not a good thing to kill a bunch of other insects in the place of worms. Like, why is this going on? One is worms need to eat, so they might be out competing with something else. But number two, it throws the biology, it throws the ecosystem out of whack because you have this one somewhat big, you know, insect crawling around eating this big old worm, as opposed to a bunch of little ones. And that attracts more insect and bird predators, which changes the ecosystem and what's going on. And it seemingly might be better without those earthworms and with the extra bugs. Gotcha. So the earthworm might might just be like the guy who uh, stands up in the war movie and is talking loud and is making the enemy aware, like, like, shut, shut up. And then he gets his head gets blown off. Okay. Yeah. I also was thinking, what if since these earthworms eat so much dirt, mm-hmm. they you know, they eat something in the dirt, yeah. process it, then shit it out, you yeah. know, and they'll leave their excrement. Maybe over time other insects just don't want to be in a dirt that's all worm shit. That's worm shitted. That's But what did they not care about the shit from the other bugs that the worms displaced? 
Well, was they? But you said there were no worms. Was there another bug that that filled that niche? But that's what they're saying, though, is that the areas with worms have less native bugs per like square foot or whatever of dirt. So the worms are clearly pushing out some of those native bugs, uh, and so yeah. So that well, if that is if you completely write off my worm shit thesis, thesis that I think that's the problem. Um, I think your thesis is bullshit. And don't give that any credence. Oh, dear. Thank you, audience, for coming back for science. <laughs> Are we ending so you could discipline me for going against you? <laughs> Help! 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 Call 911! This is the drill! He's in the episode so he can beat me. Uh, thank you, audience, for coming back for Science Faction 607, where you learned all about the origin of the Avars. And how earthworms might be fucking up our soil. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 608. Why won't you help me? You've been listening to Science Faction. Wait, that's not right. Mm-hmm.